Hello and welcome back to the Sleep Like a Baby podcast. I'm your host Hannah and I'm an infant sleep consultant as well as a mum living and working in South East London. And this week's episode is actually going to be the last one in the current series. It's been a weird series with that month-long gap in between. <laughs> Apologies again for that. But um, just as I was editing this week's episode and listening back to it and thinking about all the amazing people I've spoken to this series I just feel such an enormous sense of gratitude for for the incredible guests but also for you listening to this right now thank you so much it blows my mind that tens of thousands of people will listen to this (laughs) and um, whether you've been here since the very beginning or this is your first ever episode just thank you thank you so much for being here I just feel incredibly lucky to be able to have these kinds of conversations and share this kind of information and and be part of the conversation about parenthood and motherhood and sleep. And my guest today, I'm not going to do a hugely long spiel because she is a familiar voice to the Sleep Like a Baby podcast. It is the one and only Olivia Hinge who you may remember from series one, where I interviewed her about matrescence and she spoke incredibly beautifully and eloquently about that process of becoming a mother and of her experience as a midwife, as someone who had trained in infant feeding and how she still found the process, you know, earth shatteringly difficult. And that has been something that so many people have written to me to say of just how reassuring um, and empowering that particular episode is because of the way that Olivia talks about motherhood. And it's funny because when I had her on, we had a, I had a very specific subject matter in mind. I think it was something like infant newborn feeding cues or something very practical. And actually, because I'd never spoken to her before, even though I'd messaged her a bit on Instagram, you know, she only had a couple of hundred Instagram followers at that point, And I just thought, you know, she seemed really cool and I, I liked the way she talked about parenthood. I didn't know it was then going to become on, go to be, go on, sorry, to become one of my most downloaded episodes, one of the most listened to. And of course now Olivia has this really big Instagram account with tens and tens of thousands of people who adore her as much as, as I do. So that's really lovely. Um, and so we cover so much in this week's episode. We talk about Um, essentially imperfection I suppose about how leaning into that and discovering your own sense of what it means to be good enough is actually quite empowering it's not about aiming for perfection and whether that's anxiety over should you use a sippy cup or not or the pressure to have date nights with your partner or thinking about this kind of romanticized mythologized village that doesn't exist for you all of these things or how do we cope with this information overload that we that we have today? All of the pressures and all of the kind of different ways we're sold um, perfection. It's a lot. And also we're in sickness season. So we talk a lot about illness and figuring that out with young children. And I suppose as with the first episode where I had a plan and then we just went off piece, I wanted just this week just to chat to her and share some of our thoughts about about motherhood and about life. And that's exactly what it is. So um, 
thank you again for being here um and if you are missing my voice <laughs> in between these two seasons remember my um baby and toddler sleep guides also include a pdf but also an audio version so that you can listen to all of the information if reading isn't your thing or you've got young children that make that harder to achieve so um my courses are also available I suppose as podcasts uh, and they're all available via my website and I'll put a link in the um, show notes as well and I'm also holding a webinar on night weaning in December so again all the information you need in the show notes and thanks again for being here. The Sleep Like a Baby podcast is supported by The Octopus Club the online marketplace where you can buy, sell and give away baby and kid stuff without any hassle. If your home is piling up with toys, clothes and bits of kit that your little one no longer uses, the Octopus Club offers an easy, environmentally friendly way of selling or donating things to other families. And if you're on the hunt for high quality second-hand goods, this is the place for you. Honestly, the stuff on there is gorgeous. Check them out on Instagram or go straight to their website, theoctopusclub.com to sign up today. How are you doing though? You're you're very pregnant now. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I'm good, thank you. Yeah, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm I'm well. Yeah, I'm same old really. But um, but yeah, you've got such a full plate with you're renovating a house. Yes. Yeah, you're working. Yes, but I don't work. People always say, "Oh, you work full time. How do you do it?" I yeah. don't work full time. Yeah, yeah. I work very part time. Yeah. And one good thing about um hospital shifts is at the weekends I can pull in loads of hours in one go and do like a nearly 13 hour shift so you know that there are there are pros and cons to that but um yeah I'm very part-time so I very much admire people who work full-time and juggle with children and I also really admire stay-at-home mothers who will stay-at-home parents who who do that because yeah you know that's a full cv you've got yourself there yeah yeah did did you did you didn't get you weren't working on the day of the clock change were you no (laughs) no it's the yeah and the poor night shift when you see the same time again and you think when is this gonna end no oh I really yeah I was really feeling for everyone working in a hospital at that point yeah thinking when yeah yeah, when is this gonna end how can we go home um no I dodged that one luckily oh good so um yeah I mean it's really I'm really grateful that you came back and to, to, to do another episode of I'm delighted to be yeah. back I feel like I know you even though I don't know I you know. At all. like I followed you for so long and sort of I'm nodding away with all these things that you post and I'm like we're bezies <laughs> you're really not I feel the same in my mind you're like one of my best friends even though yeah. we've never met <laughs> It's like the only always, yeah. If I ever go near where I'm sort of the area of London where you are, I'm always like, oh, I wonder if I could see Anna. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. But um, but I think that's what's so lovely about your Instagram account is that um I t- I mean a lot of my clients talk about you and things that you've <laughs> that you've taught them and that they always say um that they'd feel like they know you and that you are just you know incredibly approachable and honest and real and I think that's so 
that's very sweet. They'd probably be really disappointed if they saw me. I always think I must be such a disappointment to see in real life, effing and jeffing at my children, <laughs> telling them to come the F on and like this gentle, holistic person. But I think that I think the one thing that I get messages about that people seem shocked about is like, you're I'm not the perfect parent. Because yeah. I don't think anyone is the perfect parent. We all have things that drive us mad and you know, lacking in patience and thinking, why do I have to ask you 500 times to put your shoes on? Or with a newborn baby, you know, champ, I'm really sorry, I do actually have to change your nappy like six, eight times, 10, you know, however many times a day, probably about twice if it's your second baby. But, um, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and they cry every time you think, oh, why do we, why is it Groundhog Day? Mm. Um, I think it's okay to say parenting is a lot of Groundhog Day. Yeah. well, I feel it is anyway. Yeah. It, oh my God. Well, I think that might be the hardest thing for me. And that was something my mum said to me. I remember she said like, sometimes it's just really boring. Like, yeah. no, it's just boring, you know? Yeah. And you feel like your brain is turning to mush and you just, you're doing and doing and doing on repeat. And that's not, there's nothing wrong with that. No. And I said to my husband recently, actually, I was like, I feel quite guilty because with our second, I don't, I don't sit and do arts and crafts and mm. get out the board games and stuff like that because I'm not very really good at it and I, I'm not very good at playing mm. like you know make-believe shops and the only thing I will do make-believe is be the patient because I can lie down on the sofa <laughs> um, but I'm but I know that I'm very good going out the house yeah and we'll leave the house and we'll do something whereas other people are better at home and pottering and doing those little bits yeah and I think it's finding what you are what you enjoy and that sounds selfish like I enjoy leaving the house and going out so mm. I make my kid come along and enjoy yeah. what I enjoy because ultimately they're going to get the best version of me and you know they find loves in being outside and stuff you know I'm I'm not in the countryside I'm making them walk (laughs) the the London pavement (laughs) with a few parks here and there but it's yeah it's that works for us and it's finding your groove and finding what works for you whether that be Mm. staying at home going out bit of both baby classes no baby classes yeah, definitely. I think I'm the same as you as well. And I, I have a deep envy for people who can potter and hang out with their children at home. Oh, like too. I've had friends say to me, oh, like, you're so good. You're always out and doing these things. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. I have to do that. Or I go nuts and my child goes nuts and we all <laughs> scream at each other in the living room and cry. So <laughs> I have to do something to kill the time until bedtime. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. I have, to, <laughs> I have to tire him out somehow. And if I stay at home, we all yell at each other. So I'm like, I'm not doing this to be like, yeah, I'm the same. I'm, I'm, we're out all the time. And I'm so jealous of those people that set up really nice craft stations. That's not me. No, me neither. I mean, I've, I have tried and yeah. maybe my kids have got a short attention span. It takes me 10 minutes to set it up. They destroy it within two and I take 40 minutes clearing it up. Yeah. I think, nah. I th- I think the worst thing you can ever do with your time is bake with a child as well. Like I, oh my <laughs> God, I hate baking with, my- and I thought that was one of those really nice motherly activities that I would do. And it would be really lovely. And then we'd very wholesome. Sit, really wholesome. And then we'd sit and we'd eat our little cookies and drink. And no, I I hate baking with him so much. So messy, isn't it? I don't I, I I can get on board with a bit of baking because I I control what they do basically. Yeah. yeah. I'm not like, yeah, lob it everywhere and I'll clear up. I'm free <laughs> and easy. I'm I'm sort of, you know, as I would describe as a cat bum mouse, going, more and more does it happen? But then I get something nice to eat at the end. That's and I'm true. quite a fan of raw cake mixture. So, oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. I Betty do like Crocker the cake. brownies. 
Yeah. Really easy. Don't have to measure stuff out and uh, it tastes amazing. My son just cries when he's waiting. He sits by the oven just oh. <laughs> <laughs> whinging for like the 30 minutes. I can't do it. Yeah, I can understand that. I actually love, you know, it's these sort of things that are quite infuriating, but I do love it when you see these little glimpses of their character. Yeah. I love those. Yeah. So like you, you know, at the time, it's slightly tedious that you have to sit out 30 minutes of crying as it bakes, but you will look back <laughs> at these sorts of things when they're old. They're the rose tinted glasses moments, yeah, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I think that's great. I mean, because yeah. I don't have to listen to the whinging, so I think it's really <laughs> It's really funny, yeah. It's funny because yeah. it's not happening right now. Um, anyway, we've got off on it. This is just nice. This is nice to have a chat with you, Olivia. It's nice for us to have a chat. I wonder if people find this interesting, though. <laughs> we can always come back to this. We can always do this again and, and plan it a little better. Yeah, let's do that. We'll meet up outside with our children and they can uh, run around. But um, yeah, before I guess when we started recording, we were talking about um, uh, what were we talking about? We're talking about, we <laughs> already lost the plot. Uh, we were talking Illness. about illness yeah. yeah how how ill is your household right now oh God, I can't you can't say that no I know I'm actually a bit nervous to talk about illness yes, me too. why have you said that I know because I'm so, the word. honestly I, I I'm so superstitious about it. Yeah. it I don't believe in a long nap I think that's just a precursor to illness yes me too <laughs> me too I never <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah, yeah I think I illness I think lots of people it's the beginning of yeah ill season um, yeah. and that really throws you with a little baby yeah. no matter how you're I mean I'm now thinking with a feeding head but no matter how you're feeding them um it, it yeah. can really make things really challenging sleep yeah. feeding and worry I've never known worry like it I know I am um, yeah I have quite a lot of health anxiety actually that I have to really really work very hard to keep on keep in check (laughs) because it can just spiral especially when you're then tired and you've been up all night or long days and you're you're or you're sick and you're feeling really vulnerable it's so easy to spiral isn't it into like yeah yes into sort of oh my goodness this could become something really mega serious or I'm super chill should I be super chill yes I worry a bit more oh no what should I do should I call 111 or you know all those things yeah um it's hard at this point you think should I say some the benefits of breastfeeding when they're ill or will that upset yeah. them yeah no I think that's Edit I think that we should talk out. about it you know yeah I think, yeah I think with breastfeed when you're breastfeeding a baby and they've got their first cold it's mm. oh it's so hard you're so they basically can't feed very well because they need to breathe through their nose when they're attached to the breast yeah so they're all <laughs> doing all this and it's, it's really distressing to watch isn't it when a child mm. isn't well or they can't latch onto a bottle it's exactly the same they can't latch onto yeah. a bottle because they can't breathe through their nose so some of the basic things we normally would say is keeping them in a nice upright position steamy bathrooms sometimes work I never had loads of success with that mm. snot suckers you can always get on a snot sucker I yeah. didn't I also never really did that because they used to get so distressed when you did it I have to say I've never like I had friends who were like the masters of the snot suckers and they had all of their like, they were just really good with on it, on it. And I could never, I mean, I just remember my husband like manually getting his mouth around our son's nose. I've done that too. <laughs> I was like, I couldn't. I was like, I love him. I would die for him. But I, my husband I was like, you that. are disgusting. Yeah. You're not who I thought you yeah. were. And I'm like, I was desperate. It was 3am. Nothing <laughs> else was working. And I'm very disappointed to say it didn't do much. No, I don't think it did, but I went, oh my God. You've got saline sprays as well. I've seen people do on like, on 
um, reels, they put the saline up one nostril and it shoots out these amazing snot yes. things the other side. There's no way in hell my kid would sit no. and let me do that. No, um, you, you have to have a pretty placid kid, I think. Yeah, or, or I guess you've done it all day, every day. Yeah. Since day one or something. I, yeah. I, I don't, yeah. So, yeah, I, in many ways, you're like, how can I help? And it's like, do you know what? You just got to ride it out. It's hideous. Yeah. Most well children can can have a tolerance for a little bit of not feeding as much in, when yeah. they're not well. We would expect them to maybe not gain weight as well um, during that time. But you have got, if, if you're breastfeeding, it's nice to know that even if you're very unwell, it doesn't matter who started the illness. Um, if you're unwell and your child hasn't been unwell, your breast milk will just have loads of antibodies, which are like the infection fighting part of your milk will then protect the child so a lot of the time they they might still get ill but it will be less less severe or less long Mm -hmm. um and yeah if they're not well it's really insane actually if you kiss them or you know they get snot all over your face or they sneeze in your face you'll actually end up either consuming it breathing it in through your nose or your mouth um or if you're like they've got a tummy bug or something and you swallow it into your stomach um you then make the antibodies to what they're unwell with it's really it's really really clever um and so you'll you'll be boosting up their immature immune system with what you can provide for them too yeah um so there are you know when things are when everyone's not well people if they're pumping try and give your your current milk that you've pumped to give to them at that point if that doesn't work the milk that you've given when you've been unwell or the baby's been unwell will be absolutely fine to give them any time in the future as well it's just going to give them some extra antibodies at that point it's it blows my mind I just think human bodies are incredible but the whole milk making thing is like phenomenal and I always wonder the whole thing that we can when we um like if I breathed in like a chicken poxy aroma around my child if I breathed in as in I, I sniffed her I could also then start producing the antibodies for that and I've made a post about this that people find intriguing it makes me wonder is that why mothers with parents we're so sensitive to the smells our children come home with yeah I, I find the smell of nursery it's an okay smell I find it absolutely repulsive me too like it, it literally makes me want to retch sometimes like yes. yeah yeah, my husband's like, chill out. It's, yeah, you know, it's they've just it, they smell a bit of whatever they've had for lunch, and I'm like, yeah. oh, no, it's no. Not. But you I think know. is that because they're absolutely covered in yeah. all, all the bits and bobs and germs that all the other children have? If they know. go into the nursery, it smells nice. Like it's not like nursery. It's not my nursery. Yeah, it's not. It's it is just like there's something on his hair or his skin, and he just doesn't yeah. smell right. Yes, and, and I just need to like scrub him. It's so strange. Or when you take back your newborn baby mm. or any child, and they smell of somebody else's perfume. Yeah. Oh my goodness, it brings about a rage. Yeah. Now, how dare you this is my baby it's yeah. and that possessiveness that we can feel I think can really knock us for six and you suddenly have these awful feelings for your mother-in-law whose perfume is all yeah. over your child and actually you really like your mother-in-law she's very yeah. sweet she's a wonderful grandparent but we have this primal hard wire to be offended yeah. by that that no you're mine yeah sort of thing smell is a really interesting sense isn't it because I think yeah I think as adults or maybe before you become a parent when you're in that kind of normal adult stage I like to call it um I wasn't that aware of my sense of smell and and also I think we often forget that baby how strong baby's sense of smell or children in general I think it's up until about the age of eight that they have a very heightened sense of smell and then it starts to kind of 
reduce and and how your smell is um connected to parts of your brain related to memory and things like that so it's a very evocative kind of sense it's very powerful and obviously like smell is a really powerful when you smell something that is like Christmas or your childhood or whatever how powerful that is and all the studies they've done on babies where they've given them to other caregivers but with an object that smells like the mother they like they cry less or they're more likely to be settled to sleep by other people and so sometimes you know I'll say things to clients or on Instagram of like well can you make that bed smell like you or can you put some breast milk on the thing or whatever Mm. and I think sometimes it sounds a bit woo-woo or a bit like sure like I'm trying to create a nice spa environment or something you know but it's it's really not it it's a real thing sleep like smell is so um, important and I mean, we feel it anyway, don't we? As adults, sometimes you miss the smell of your pillow or, you know, yeah, with definitely. sleep and things like that. Or your the smell of my toothpaste, I think, cues me yeah. up. Or my my face wash that I use, all of those things. You're right. it does. Cue, when you say cues yeah. you up, you mean yeah. as in it's the slotting in building blocks of I'm preparing to go to bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I, really, I actually, I'm, I'm terrible on sleep hygiene. I totally yeah. disregard <laughs> it. But actually, you do do things. Yeah. I do do I'm like, oh no, I'm anti-routine. I hate it. I hate feeling pressurized, yada, yada. But I do have a routine for myself. I go and I brush my teeth. I wash my face. I use the same products. I put my pajamas on. You do unintentionally have these building blocks. So when I get ragey that my kids aren't going to sleep because I couldn't be bothered to take them upstairs. Yeah. (laughs) And then I've rushed them through. Come on, put your pajamas on, brush your teeth, have a wee. Come on, hurry up, hurry up. Yeah. You kind of think, yeah, I... I'm shortchanging you and then you get the brunt of my rage because you're not doing as I want yeah and sometimes I sometimes a parent I do actually have to think back and go yeah actually I should be giving them what I give myself yeah um, but then not to feel guilty about it we all have yeah yeah that's the other thing we were talking about wasn't it about like how much how much we doubt ourselves or where that where that big mm. where doubt comes from where does that come from why I, I don't know if it's just that I have an Instagram account with quite a few people following so I hear more and more Mm. from people but I I do feel like so many of us are really doubting ourselves our ability our ability to make milk to maintain milk to make good milk um if we're bottle feeding to give your child the right technique the right volumes the right brand of milk and I find it really 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 sad that we are so but then I think, is that also, I really don't know, these are just like thoughts yeah. out loud. But then I do think a degree of being concerned and worried about our children keeps them at the forefront of our mind. We are hardwired to be lionesses for them. Yeah. Like to fight for them, to protect them. So it's finding this balance that's that's okay with going, do you know what? I'm good enough. Yeah. I have tried my best. I'm doing my best. Um, But also, yeah, keeping them safe and and it's hard isn't it I really wish that we could just be as kind to ourselves as we are to our mates yes say mate you're doing so well like actually these small things you're stressing about let's let's put them in a bigger scheme in the bigger picture yeah it it doesn't you know so so many things actually really don't matter that much yeah kids have to see the imperfect version of you to know that actually you don't have to be perfect all the time. Yeah. You're still loved. You're still brilliant. Yeah. Even if you don't get 10 out of 10 in your spellings, even if you don't manage to tie your own shoelaces. Yeah. Because we don't want our kids to, we don't, we desperately don't want our children 
to have like this poor self-esteem and stuff. And I think that's quite a thing that our generation has. Mm. Um, yeah, none of us want that for our children. So we treat them with kindness and respect and stuff, but we don't do that for us. Yeah. So we should lead by example and be like, do you know what? I'm good enough as I am. Yeah. Imperfect. I'm very sweary. I'm impatient. Yeah. And it's saying to them, I'm really sorry I shouted at you for X, Y, Z. Yeah. Yeah, but... I'm a person. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a person. You're a person. You rage yeah. at me and you can't get your Lego together, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I wish we were all kinder to ourselves and more believing in ourselves. Yeah. I definitely, I think so. And I'm such a hypocrite because <laughs> I'm not kind to myself, but I can, <laughs> I'm constantly telling other people to be kinder to themselves. And I think that, I think, yeah, again, but that shows that you're not, you're not perfect. And that's yeah. okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think also we have so much information on um Instagram yeah very much and from specialists and sometimes it's difficult to define who a specialist is yeah and are they basing their advice on evidence and like on proper stuff that's being trialed um in research so actually is it really important that we feed our children with an open cup are sippy cups really the absolute worst thing in the world yeah there is some theory that you know maybe they're not brilliant 24 7 but actually there's no evidence yeah and I thought, you know what? I stressed out about buying the right brand, trying to get my kids to drink from an open cup. And actually, I didn't need to. Yeah. She's now three and he drinks out of an open cup. Ditto. My son <laughs> had a sippy cup for a long time. Yeah. And he's absolutely fine. He hasn't had a sippy cup in a year now. And yeah. I don't think I even really did anything to... No. I just started give, giving him more of an open cup and he was fine. Exactly. I, mean, like... I mean, if there was robust evidence that said, do you know what? They're really not brilliant. Yeah. Okay, that's one thing. But there isn't. It's yeah. just, you know, it's, and I would never have known anything. I didn't know anything about that with my first. I was oblivious. She had that tummy tippy sippy cup, loved it. I was great with it. But then with my second, I'd seen stuff on Instagram and I was a bit like, oh no. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes ignorance is bliss. I think, I think it's really interesting. Mm. Yeah. Allows you to stop. Cause I, I interviewed my 90 year old granny for this podcast um, in September and you know, her, she really had no information you know she knew absolutely nothing about birth going into it like nothing at all um and knew very little about child rearing and every all the information she got was either from her GP who she could see anytime she wanted actually like she would just she'd go all the time uh a local kind of um mother mother and baby group run by local nurses and her mum and that was it like that, yeah. you know, obviously she had friends and things, but the, but the actual information really, she didn't know anything about it. Yeah. And, you know, there's obviously huge drawbacks to that. She's like, I wish I'd known this. No one talked about this, blah, blah, blah. But then she didn't have that anxiety of, you know, because mothers today already have a pretty full plate anyway and actually worrying about whether a sippy cup or oh my child was sleeping in the car and their mouth fell open and is that are they now a mouth breather are they going to have oral facial issues for the rest of their life are they going to be all this stuff now they got ADHD because they were mouth breathing and all this stuff you know you can really go down a rabbit hole pathologizing everything or you know I think yeah I think we've gone a bit too far or maybe I don't know I agree. And I also think that we have lots of services that you can pay for, private services. Yeah. Booming businesses. Yeah. Um, you know, I've had people reach out that they've got an unsettled two-week-old and there's they've had a review by I can't quite work out what the person is. It's like um 
quite a traditional sleep trainer and a reflux unsettled mm. baby specialist mm. is what they would say yeah people are spending three three fifty yeah on this it's a lot of money yeah, yeah. and the plans which I see I'm just like oh, this is for like a three-week-old baby yeah. and it's it, it, it's shocking and yeah. it's not going to benefit breastfeeding in any way the advice that they give some of the advice is just outright dangerous you know mm-hmm. like unsupervised sleep um and also again pathologizing you know really making this mother think that the child has got all sorts of health problems like um sleeping with their mouth open mm-hmm. and they've got allergies and it's like actually mouth breathing and your jaw slackening open when you're asleep are two totally different things yeah like I wake up in the night and I'm like and my mouth is open yeah because I'm totally relaxed whereas I'm not yeah. mouth breathing I'm breathing through my nose yeah um it's it, they're two very different things and and to plant in a new vulnerable parent's mind you know you've potentially got these three or four major issues mm. it's terrifying yeah it is it isn't it? and it's hard to shake that off it is what's normal newborn behaviors what's not you know I know that you had an experience with reflux with your mm-hmm. son didn't mm-hmm. you yeah and that that is a really hard thing because there is obviously that normal bit of vomiting, but a child who is crying in arms all day, every yeah, day, yeah, and actually vomiting with every feed in between feeds, lose copious amounts of milk. That is not normal. Um, and that needs investigation. You need support. Refluxy unsettled babies are as much of a, a sort of health problem as it is psychological problem for the parents. It's incredibly hard incredibly hard um but we've now got everyone whose baby may maybe brings up a bit of milk panicking and receiving medication from gps yes and i understand why gps are giving out medication because parents come in and say i my child has xyz and i want xyz medication um it's a bit like we used to be with antibiotics we used to take our child in with a cold and then expect to come away with antibiotics you know um, and now reflux is this thing and we're expecting to be sent home with medication because that's what everybody else around us is doing. But unfortunately, what's then not being happened is people are not being counselled properly on the pros and the cons of these drugs. So there's long term health in- implications for quite a few of the common drugs used for reflux. Um, and we're not being counselled on that. So. And also within the NICE guidance, which is what the doctors, if they've got the resources to do, should be yeah. following. The first step is a skilled infant feeding review if the baby's breastfed. Yeah. Nine times out of 10, you're going to get to the bottom of what's going on in that appointment alone without medications, supporting the parent and understanding what's normal behaviours. Um, you must see it a lot with normal sleep as well. Yeah. Normal sleep is being pathologised because there's this expectation that Children should be sleeping through the night from very, very young ages. Yeah. Um, and I get it, we're knackered. Like, that is that is the balance. hardest, that is the hardest um situation actually for me as a sleep consultant, is when I have someone whose child is clearly really normal. Um yeah. and uh but they're obviously they're paying you for a service, and you know, because they because I'm not saying that normal is easy. That's the thing, you know, yeah. that they are, I can see that they are really struggling or, um, yeah, or they, like they, they just don't have the support they need or, um, mm-hmm. 
you know, so I do think there is enormous power in knowing it's normal. I think that helps me as a parent sometimes, like knowing actually that's that's to be expected. That takes some of the the mental load off. But um, I mean, sometimes people have to really, you know, I get people saying I really just have to really unlearn some stuff, don't I? And I'm like, yes. And I think I did as well. Like, you know, if you've always yeah. been told that that sleep looks like this, then um, and it doesn't it can feel even more exhausting when your child doesn't sleep that way. And one thing that really grinds my gears, and I've been thinking just how, oh, I just, it's made me really angry in the last couple of days is I've seen a lot about like all this idea that all children should be good sleepers all baby. There's no such thing as a bad sleeper as a baby. All babies can sleep through. Mm. Um, and I think how like, oh yeah. That, I mean, that's so ableist, isn't it anyway? Because if you, you think about a child who maybe has, some form of sensory processing uh-huh. issues or something like that they're not going to sleep like I don't mm. know a child who's more kind of neurotypical and there are all of these messages out there just saying all babies are the same just do this here's my here's my very expensive kind of roadmap to yeah. do it and you're an absolute only one way you can only do it yes. one way yeah even though we are all so different yeah but I think I want to go back to what you said about how our brains do become more sort of hypervigilant and obsessive. Like, you know, I do think that, you know, going back to that concept of matrescence is really important because I was actually talking to a client about this yesterday who was really beating herself up about, she knows it's her fault. She's overthinking. She's overthinking everything. And she, she, she kept blaming herself. And, and uh, I, I just was, I just wanted, I, I, you know, I just wanted to explain to her, and you reminded me of it, of, you know, your brain has changed. You yeah. are overthinking for a reason. This is actually a, an evolutionary way to keep your child alive. You actually yeah. kind of need these obsessive thoughts and crazy thoughts Yeah, <laughs> to think, because the children are, our children are so vulnerable, you know. Yeah. You need a bit of the crazies you, to keep yeah. you going in a way. Yeah. But we're finding a balance, aren't we? With- yeah like your 90 year old grandmother yeah. who ignorance was a bit of bliss yeah we are so bombarded and we're sensory bombarded yeah it's audio it's visual it's what we're seeing around us it's everything yeah. we are totally bombarded with what we should I say in quotes be yeah. doing um and we're losing that sense of actually my brain is really wired up to do this can I allow myself yeah. to think what's right for me and my child yeah. and that won't be the same as for your neighbor or your friend yeah I feel like as well with with perfection I feel like we're kind of getting somewhere with I think that I see a lot about being forgiving yourself for yelling forget like normalizing yeah. rage you know shouting and re- repairing and rupturing I see a lot of that but then like we can't forgive ourselves for not being perfect around things like sippy cups or yeah or breastfeeding or other or how things we gave like, birth. or how we gave birth or yeah so yeah. we can sort of I think maybe we're starting to normalize like yeah everyone has these difficult emotions emotions are fine but you still have to be perfect in all the other ways I don't yeah. know Do you- I've had I mean on my on my um, Instagram account I've had a bit of a a moan and a yeah a bit of a yeah just a bit of a moan really about some of the stuff around birth I see because I'm a, mm. a midwife and that's my paid work is actually working within the NHS and a labor ward um and there are all these accounts that are what I feel very purist yeah um saying birth should be xyz if you do xyz mm-hmm. 
that's not how it works. Yeah. Yes, we have way too much intervention. And yes, we're offering inductions when we probably don't have robust enough evidence to support it. And it's a sticking plaster to try and solve some problems, but we are not getting to the root cause of the problem. Yes, there's a lot of that, but you have not failed. One lady was crying to me like she wanted an epidural and I said, that's okay. Yeah, Needing pain relief is okay. You are not a failure in any way. Mm. Um, it's as if we're disregarding that labor dystocia is not a problem mm. it is a problem like yeah. it is a real thing and she said it's because I haven't kept my jaw floppy enough isn't it and I was like what do you mean and she told me about this you know all yeah. these accounts that talk about if you've got a floppy jaw labor will progress well it's yeah. just not how things work you know and yeah. um, yes intervention is a problem but you have not done any one thing to cause a it's the system yeah. you know a, as med- over-medicalizing things, over over-vigilant, stuff like that. Um, but it is not you as the birthing person that has not done X, Y, Z to result in what you, mm. the birth outcome. Yeah. You know, we, we have to remember that birth is a precarious time. Yeah. And um, it's, it's very sadly, we would not all have the perfect birth if we had done what this person said or if we didn't have mm. any medical intervention or stuff like that. Very sadly, that's not how things work. But what I wish we could all tune into more myself very much included in this with like my first birth is um could I tune in to to know what my instinct is telling me yeah so I was booked for a home birth at home and I'd had a very very long latent phase that early phase of labor and I suddenly just stood up from the birthing pool rose up naked (laughs) and said fuck this I need to be in hospital (laughs) yes it was just this moment of clarity and I just I just had this instinct that I've been pushing down. No, it'll be fine. It's all fine. It's all fine. And I just had an instinct. I needed to be somewhere with more support. Yeah. Um, And I I did have interventions in that pregnancy, Mm. in that labor. And it was very, very hard to come to peace with. I had a forceps birth. I lost a lot of blood Mm. and thinking, what did I do wrong? Why didn't I stay at home? If I'd stayed at home, it would have all worked out. But actually, I think my intuition was telling me this isn't necessarily going the way it should do. Um, and I think if we allowed women to tell us, do you know what? I know you're telling me there's a problem, but my instinct tells me there isn't. I don't think I've ever met a person who's had um, like an emergency or start a true a true issue and they haven't had a sense of ill ease. Mm, yeah. And that's what I wish we, God, I'm going all around the world here, but that's what I wish we had more sense of tuning in to, it's okay to need help. Yeah. What does my instinct tell me? You know? Yeah. But then we think of birth as lying in a bed on our back with it being very medicalized, you know. So yeah. we have we have a, again a societal expectation of something very, very different. But I people step into new parenthood already feeling that they failed. Yeah. From their birth. Yeah, they do. Yeah. And that sets the tone. Yeah. You know, and then and then I go on to fail at breastfeeding. I haven't yeah. done that. I, yeah. you know, you see your self-esteem just going vroom. Yeah. No wonder yeah. we're over worrying, over analyzing, doubting ourselves. There was some really interesting research recently. I don't know if you saw it about, um, yeah, about how images on Instagram though created like affected women's self-esteem. So particularly relating to motherhood. So yes. the, you know, the, that's why I loved actually you did a reel about your, what your real normal morning looks like, because, <laughs> you know, when we see these really gorgeous vistas of, of motherhood, 
is so nuts because it used to be that you would see that on television or a magazine and you could understand that that is a curated view and now it's like when you see that even if it's not even a celebrity even if that's just your mate who's like positioned her like flowers in a vase in the corner and she's moved all of like the grotty Tupperware out of the shot and all of that stuff and you're like I know your kitchen doesn't look like that but you this looks amazing you know you just absorb it and it was really interesting how um those images like related to maternal sort of yeah happiness confidence self-esteem all that stuff it's powerful yeah really powerful I mean my house is a shock I mean it is a renovation (laughs) project but I mean your renovation project though because it's such an extreme version of <laughs> it really made my normal morning seem horrific. It made the me walls, feel really like... good. Like, <laughs> yeah. Look around your house and be like, we're winning, guys. I was like, my walls have got plaster on them. I am. <laughs> I am really fancy. Yeah, I, th- I yeah, I just think we we need more realism, like yeah. to be tired and say, I'm really struggling. Yeah. I'm not, you know, I'm not enjoying this stage of babyhood or toddlerhood. It doesn't mean that you're bad at it. There's parts yeah. of all of our jobs that we don't like, isn't there? Yeah, that's it. That's yeah, it. Every I, I think I'm I feel confident that I'm a good midwife, but there's parts of my job I, you know, the admin, the computer, oh, I hate it. I find it tedious. I just don't enjoy it. But that doesn't mean overall I'm not a good midwife. Yeah. It's the same with motherhood. I don't yeah. enjoy the whinging. I hate the whinging. Yeah. I hate yeah. The whinging, yeah. um, but it doesn't mean I'm a bad mother. No, no. Do you know what I mean, it's it's looking at things on balance. Let's look at the whole picture here, mm. not just one snippet of you. You know, finding something really frustrating and annoying and not giving it your hundred percent. You can't give a hundred percent the whole time. It's exhausting. Yeah. No. Yeah. But it's... did your did your granny have a village, so to speak? Yeah, she she did. I guess. Um... Yeah, she did all the. She was quite an unusual, I guess. So her mother was a bit of a scandal. Her mother was a nurse and was nursing a gentleman who'd been widowed, and he was a lot older than her because and his and he had an older child already, like a kind of and so they fell in love essentially. Oh no, actually, sorry, she had been nursing his wife, I think, when he she'd been dying. That's right, and and he was much older so uh, so this is my great-grandmother and so her mother was like had this very much older husband like her father was older and her mother worked as well like that's her thing like my my granny was a working class woman her mother worked um she my granny worked um which is quite I guess unusual. unusual isn't it yeah yeah so she was you know in the 50s back at work with babies you know and all of this stuff and had her mother working so um yeah but uh I suppose she did have more of a village than a lot of us do today in the sense that yeah she said there was a mother and baby coffee morning every morning that she went they gave her biscuits they chatted all of that stuff the infrastructure was there did she have Um, family like family nearby did she no she didn't actually uh again because I think she was born into this kind of yeah a bit of a scandal and she was the only you know I, she, yeah yeah so she didn't actually have a lot of yeah a lot of family I guess mm. um I don't so I think that's quite interesting and then when my mum had children actually my granny her mum didn't give a lot of support to her and I often wonder if that's because that she didn't actually have that for herself and she didn't yeah. you know that wasn't her norm so um 
but anyway but I look at my other side of my 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 paternal grandparents and that was a classic sort of village of like you know lots of cousins and aunties and uncles around in the home helping my other grandmother had home births in like the Amazing. 50s and 60s which I think is weird I don't know maybe that was more normal I don't know yeah I, th- I think it I think that was sort of that time of transition wasn't it yeah um you know 60s 70s is when it was all brought into the I think when it was all yeah. brought into the hospital I'd have to double check my text yeah. on that one um Oh, I love that. Yeah. She was like the, she was the opposite of sort of a crunchy, you know, she was very like traditional and um, certainly, you know, never breastfed or anything like that or co-slept or anything, you know, but it was quite interesting reading anyway. But yeah. Uh, what about your, what about your family? So did you think your parents, your grandparents had more of that village? No, no. I don't yeah. think so. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a great one for family history, but no, my mum, my my parents were in London yeah. when they had us, and I don't know that much about my grandparents' setup really. Um, yeah, I know that my um, my dad's mum, she had one son, um, and then waited quite a long time and had twins. My dad is a twin, oh. um, so I think she had her sisters nearby, but they had their own families, their own yeah. children, their own stuff. It, it certainly wasn't this, you know, open door policy of everybody walking in and supporting, and you know, yeah anyone pick up a baby sort of thing I think yeah I think both of my grandparents had quite a hard time balancing children relationship work in a very similar way that lots of us do really because we look back and think oh you know we should all be in a village and you know oh we're all doomed because we don't have that but I actually think it's quite a long time since people although people do still have that actually don't they people that yeah maybe it's mythologized too much though you know and um and and even if you do have a lot of support, I still think it's hard. So maybe it's like if you feel, I don't know, if you don't have it, you crave it and you feel like, yes. and obviously it is missing. But then if you do have it and all that support and you're still finding it hard, maybe you're then like, well, I'm just rubbish because yeah. I've got all this support and I'm, and it's still bloody hard. Yeah, it's still really hard. And so there must be, I always think there must be a time where you think, will you just get out of my house and leave me to it? Yeah. <laughs> Let me walk around in my pants yeah. and just let me you know just let me be yeah um, yeah that whole text or call before you come round when someone's got a newborn um you know yeah. we're saying one thing you need a village but then we're saying the other that actually yeah. don't just turn up no just leave me um, alone and yeah just leave me send me some just... food and go <laughs> yes drop at the door and run yeah. um yeah it's, it's it's yeah it's interesting I think friendships are really interesting once you have children as well mm. um you know friendship can very much I mean we both live in London I don't know about you but most of my friends don't have families near yeah. nearby mm. um so lots of us learn to survive you know on friendship and childcare paid yeah. childcare yeah um you know there's all this pressure to have date nights and stuff you're like well, who would I leave who would I leave yeah. a small baby with yeah um you know you may have a really good relationship with somebody that you could pay but that can feel quite daunting leaving at quite a you know a small child with someone that isn't a family member I think most people would prefer mm. to leave them with a family member but lots of us that don't live near family that's that's really hard but you're under the pressure to to have date nights because if you don't have yeah. date nights your relationship's gonna fail yeah I mean me and my husband have had I think one date night in three and a half years and we were uh-huh. both like meh yeah I, I've not I've not had a date night in six no. and a half years no it's not worth it Olivia <laughs> I'd literally be asleep in my plate um so, you know you, you have to find and that's okay that doesn't mean that your relationship is doomed it's finding 
a balance that works for yeah. you you know whether that be a date day or going yeah. picking a nice place to have lunch whilst the baby naps and yeah. that's okay if the baby's on you and you hold the baby yeah date days yeah. are, are much better that's something we do try and do um yes yeah um, yeah it's funny isn't it I'm really lucky so I'm in a block of flats and we've made friends with two other families in our building and they have children of similar age and we do really nice things like once a month we go and all have dinner at one of our flats and all the kids play and the parents we can just hang out and it's just after nursery so it's like an hour and a half to two hours absolute tops you know by like 8 30 everyone's crying everyone's done yeah some of the parents might be a bit drunk and it's just like we just cut and run you know like yeah. and you you leave the other person's flat looking like a bomb site when that's yeah. part of the deal and and you just go and yes. then next month it's your turn to do yeah. with it and it's so lovely I love um, I absolutely yeah. love that that yeah. sounds like it's different I found it very hard that sometimes you do have to some friendships don't survive you having mm. children and that's a really really hard thing to come to peace with that actually life moves on you have seasons and it's yeah I think a lot of people feel a lot of social isolation when they have children because it can be hard with a newborn to make friends because it's kind of putting yourself really forward isn't it because the baby's not going to give you much conversation conversation no. do you know what I mean yeah it's not like with a toddler where you can talk a bit then yeah. you know you can pull the toddler into the conversation it's as a new parent where you might be doubting yourself and feeling vulnerable to then go out and make friends can be really really hard that was prob- that was one of the hardest things and I'm I'm a pretty sociable person and I felt found making new mum friends incredibly difficult what about mm-hmm. you yeah I, I I even though I was a midwife I paid for antenatal classes yeah they were the most expensive friends I've ever bought in my life <laughs> and they are a great bunch of people and we the first year that most of us were on mat leave we met up regularly they would sometimes meet up in the evening and I I just couldn't do that like I still yeah. I just never really been into pumping at all um and yeah I I didn't feel ready to leave my child at night yeah and like I needed to put them to sleep because I breastfed them to sleep um so they would sometimes meet in the evening but it was a really we were all totally different people but that actually was a beautiful thing mm. because we all came to it with a different idea of motherhood so yeah I, d- I never felt judged by them or anything even though I was there you know bed sharing and breastfeeding 24 7 and, and lots of them weren't um but I wouldn't say that I made friends for life th- from from that yeah, yeah but I've met some amazing friends yeah. actually just locally being in cafes and just re- I'm also a social person but I would never normally start the conversation if that yeah. makes sense and really having to dig deep put my big girl pants on oh. and make that first comment yeah something totally that you cringe about afterwards <laughs> it's something about I don't know the child's outfit or yes. um I don't know their nappy bag or just something just to start that conversation and and nine times out of ten that person looks at you relieved to be like oh I kind of wanted to start a conversation too you know <laughs> you did yeah. it yeah. um and yeah I think it again it's about seasons for friendships you know you may you may make friends for that first year of their life or first two years and then it pitter patters out because your yeah. child's have different interests you have different interests um I do think you change when you become a parent mm. I do think your interests change your priorities change and it can be really hard to maintain friendships yeah that aren't revolved around what your current situation is 
Yeah. You know, I think it would be a bore and just talk about your kids. But if you're at home for that first year, if you don't talk a little bit about your kids, you can feel a bit like I've got absolutely nothing to add to this. Yeah. I've got nothing to talk about. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Friendships, I think that's something that doesn't get spoken about enough actually I think you know there's conversations people you can you know lots of relationship you know if you're if you were in a romantic relationship you know if you have children with someone there's a lot of information about that and lots of talk about how much your relationship changes when you have a child but I was really really shocked by how much my other friend my other relationships would would evolve and change and some of them yeah I I grieve you know I miss you know it's really sad isn't it um yeah uh and sometimes it's because I just have no capacity to maintain that relationship or that that we're at such different stages in our lives and actually maybe they're not that interested in what's going on for me right now and that's okay you know that's okay that's okay it's not you're a bad boring person you just floated into different realms yeah and they're not a bad person for not being fascinated in how many times my baby pooed that day I get it (laughs) it's really boring (laughs) it's but and it's nice if you've got friends that you can talk to about baby poo or yeah. naps or whatever I get it you know but it is sad like so often I still think about certain people who I love and I've realized I've not spoken to them in six months or I've not seen them for a year and I'm like where did that time go and I used to we used to hang out constantly and Every, now, yeah like twice a twice a week we'd yeah, go out for dinner yeah. or we'd go into town we do stuff yeah. and they're still doing that stuff yeah, and yeah. like I really want the friendship but I really can't be asked to get dressed up and go into town <laughs> yes like that like do you want to come to that yes I absolutely do but also I very strongly feel like I'm not going to because I'm no on the day I wear my jimmy jammies yeah I'm gonna stress (laughs) about what I'm gonna wear and I'm just gonna I'm not gonna do it I'm sorry yeah it's difficult isn't it and I think for me actually I was quite lucky with the pandemic because my son was about eight nine months old when everything shut down and suddenly I felt like oh thank god everyone's on maternity leave now yeah (laughs) like there was no more FOMO no, and, and I didn't meet up. No, and actually, my social life was brilliant because we did Zoom things, and no one had to leave. And obviously, it was also very hard and depressing and a sad time. And yes, but yeah. selfishly, you know, from a from a social point of view. And then when things started reopening, I guess, and then you saw, I saw people then go back out into the world, and I felt like I was still behind with this very needy little person, and I was still yeah. in my pajamas and still. Yes, <laughs> not leaving my postcard. You've not got a bra on. No. <laughs> <laughs> Year and a half later, <laughs> I still wear my my like. I think. Oh no, maybe I'm wearing a real bra now, but I still wear my nursing bras. I haven't breastfed for like two years. <laughs> yes, I mean, do you ever give those bad boys up? Will I ever go back to underwire? I don't think so. <laughs> I bought myself one this summer as like a sort of you probably Trial. should. <laughs> it's been a while, and now it's still sat at the back of the door. <laughs> yeah uh anyway sorry I'm just but it's difficult with friendships isn't it I think and like I say it comes you can come back to blaming yourself you can come back to that doubting yourself like oh it must because now I'm a mum I'm not interesting I'm not this Mm -hmm. I'm not that um I should be more fun I should be more this I should be that um and it's this like yeah this bouncing back idea I guess rather than seeing motherhood as a transformation but it's also looking at those what I found very very hard is that I very much felt like the only person who couldn't or wasn't happy to leave their child yeah put to bed by somebody else but obviously their dad um and but then my other friends were very happy to from very early on 
and you know I felt very judged for that and I don't think I was judged no for it. it was like that's you you do you that's how you're going to parent um and also I've never spent a night away from them yeah um you know my eldest is six and a half my husband can happily put them both to bed and does twice a week when I'm at work but you know that was from a year 18 months onwards sort of thing and I I I tortured myself with that's the only time I've ever felt judged mm. I'm quite confident in other ways and I'm like oh you know bugger off I'll, I'm going to do what I want to do I don't care if it's not the norm but I really I really struggled with that with um mm. yeah not leaving my children early on to be put to bed by somebody else it was it, I mean I could have pumped but I would find it really distressing and I thought would I enjoy being out the house and away from them yeah actually probably not like I, I was really happy at home um yeah I, I I think that I don't have an answer for that one and I get lots of people saying well what did you do and it's like what I had to do in the end was look at hopefully my whole life as a centimeter as a ruler and think actually yeah. this is looking at it in centimeters this is a very very small part of my life yeah. where my children need me and I need my children yeah. And that's another thing you feel dodgy for admitting. Yeah. Actually, I want to be at home. Yeah. I, I want to be present and here and I'm not going to enjoy something until I feel ready. So please just wait for me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's that that classic thing of um, we all know I'm not going to come, but I still want to be invited. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it's not a criticism of, of other people because life goes on. Everybody is busy. Um, but yeah, I had to really look, come on, let's look at the grand scheme of things. Mm. May, I was a bit younger than some of my other friends when I started having children. And I was like, I had to keep saying to myself, I'm going to go absolutely mental in my 40s. Yeah. I am going to go buck wild. We all know I'm not. <laughs> but in my head, I had yeah. to think, do you know what? This is a short amount of time. I, this is not going to be forever. Yeah. and tried to keep some perspective of it and reaching out to people who I made some internet friends and they were all in the same boat yeah and that made me feel really really normal um yeah. and actually I'm not the only one that's stuck at home and yes I felt resentment and anger yeah. towards being stuck at home but yeah it's it these things do get better and I think when I had my second I had a bit more foresight about these sorts of things but also Covid happened so yeah. my daughter was three or four months old my second when it all locked down I was so delighted yeah no pressure to leave her yeah it it was it was actually really heavenly yeah and it made me reflect and think wow I really felt pressure yeah I by myself yeah no I feel the same that I'm I'm like you I don't like I've had a few nights away um but I don't I've only done it for very 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 special occasions like a wedding or uh yeah. you know it's one of my best friends Hindus but I, I I and this is no judgment because I also have some very close friends who've had loads of nights away and they are the most amazing brilliant parents and I I don't think I I'm not saying I love my kids more than they do no <laughs> no they have like it, yeah, it's, it, that's not it it's all yeah. just about what's right for you as a family yeah, yeah. and yet it's, you're so right it's not a criticism of people that um get away from their children earlier on I think I'm very jealous yeah like and they probably fill their cup they're better at filling their cup and coming I bet they come back and go do you know what I needed that I feel so much better for it um and and, but I would have would not have felt better like you know my own maybe I'm the needy one and not my kids I don't know (laughs) 
don't know. But it just wasn't right for me. And that's not a judgment if it's right for somebody else. We all do things so differently. Yeah. Um, As my colleague at work says, you do you, babe. Yeah. And that's so it. But it comes back to that idea that there is this one way to do everything. You know, there's one way to feed. There's one way to approach sleep. There's one way, you know, to to sleep train or whatever. There's all, all you know, and there's one way to be a mother. There's one way to be a family. And that's the problem, isn't it? And then then you start to feel apologetic for saying that's not me. And we shouldn't feel I shouldn't feel apologetic to say Mm -hmm. I don't want a date night. Why do I feel like yeah. I have to then say, but if you do, that's fine. Because that should go without saying. Yes. We all have different preferences, different flavors, different likes, dislikes, different ways of doing stuff. And I think you're so right in that we, I always think, how do we all, I always say to people about eating. So we all eat in totally different ways. Some people are grazers. Some people are big meal people. And then they go long stretches without. Um, and yet we all expect our babies to eat, sleep and poo the same. We all have different pooing habits as well. Like, but we expect every baby to do exactly the same. And if they step out outside of that, we're panicking. Whereas we sometimes need to look at the big picture. Every baby has a temperament, a character, like a sense of themselves, even from a newborn. Some babies do not want to be put down. And that does not mean there's a problem. I know that you talk a lot about temperament with sleep and the whole sort of orchid child who needs careful cultivation and nurturing and the environment has to be just right for them to bloom versus your dandelion who actually can grow and thrive in in very different environment. It's probably a very easy going child. Um, I remember reading those two things with my first who's incredibly intense and thinking I'm I'm neither like she's very chill and happy if 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 I'm holding her if I handed her to somebody else she'd be an orchid so I was a bit like what are we we're somewhere in between we're a we're a nice rose or something Um, but it's it's believing that temperament is a thing yeah and it's not just babies should be able to be put down and they should all have to be held happily held by other family members um yeah she was my absolute limpet for a good two years really really needed so much support to sleep needed used breastfeeding as it was a 24 7 occupation you know for her that was and I think had I had I been more on Instagram and seen more stuff I would have been looking and looking and looking and looking for a problem whereas now I look at her as a six-year-old and and she's intense in her character and the joy that she brings the happiness that she feels she is just a little rocket of a person um whereas her younger sibling much more laid back much more chill easygoing and they had exactly the same parenting you know it, it really brings it into stark contrast that it's you know it was made out that I was too intense and I held my first too much and that is why she was like that um but it wasn't it was just her and I was responding to the path with least resistance yeah but that's hard leaning into it when you're told everything all the leaning in is is rods for your back it's it is so hard I do think there's this this, yeah again like with my son you know tongue-tied refluxy very frequent feeder but also when I think about his personality you know he is like his his nickname in our family is the LPB he's like the London party boy because he is incredibly (laughs) I I know he's incredibly social (laughs) and he is just such a party animal like my mum called it from day one she's like he is he was alert and he wanted to 
look yeah. at everything see everything. and still he is just like if there's a party he is right in there with everyone and he is just so yeah he was never going to be that baby who was going to do a a good 20 minute breastfeed in a cafe he was always going to like look up and have a look around and yeah. you know yeah and so yes he had a tongue tie and yes he had a crap latch and you know all of that stuff but yeah. also he was just that baby like, and he still is and can I get him to sit at a picnic now and even eat an ice cream no he is he'll have a nibble and he's up and he's like that is who and he is pants. you know I still can't yeah. get him to sit it's it's like it's my life's work to get him to sit and eat food and you know and craft nicely at the table and craft and bake, <laughs> and bake. <laughs> maybe I am the problem Olivia <laughs> <laughs> do think that you look in the family and I do think you see perhaps your child's temperament in somebody yeah um there's a bit of that like yeah yeah but you just can't see it at the time and I do think that when you are in it and you are tired and you are like overwhelmed and flooded with hormones and every, every relationship in your life is changing it's such a huge thing it just feels endless I just think that's what it comes mm-hmm. down to and I always think my clients are the most like intelligent amazing people and some of them have got these like incredible jobs and they're really like amazing people and they've got like loads of kids and they're doing these amazing things I'm like I'm like why are you doubting yourself you're amazing look at what you're yeah you know and also like even despite all of those um how clever and amazing they clearly are and even if they've had three children and this is their fourth they still feel like it's going to be forever and I think I I feel like when like we're saying for illness like when I'm ill I think I'm going to be sick for the rest of my life I'll never be well again (laughs) yeah it's just a cold but I'm like no that's it I'll never breathe through my nose again and I'm gonna you know it's just it just that's maybe sometimes human nature you just get stuck in it and yeah yeah motherhood parenthood it's really complex and we come at it from a very different viewpoint that everything in my life prior to having children if I wanted to do something I'd work hard at it I'd study I would make it happen and I could make it happen yes that's very privileged me but I could work hard I could you know study and make differences that way there's nothing I could do to control my child yeah and that For most modern people, where we can control a lot of aspects of our lives, to not be able to control this tiny little baby yeah. is infuriating. Yeah. It, it's it's very, very hard. It is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. That's that's it. I think. And then we our lack of control with yeah. children is is a really hard pill to swallow. It is. And that's where you see why so many people are really hell-bent on controlling their children I understand it that's why routines and things were a beacon of light to me I thought well that's exactly what I'm looking for that person's got that control and I want some of it or why people have very control focused ways of potty training or sticker charts and all of this stuff because it is very difficult to not have control yeah yeah I totally agree (laughs) the sticker chart where the stickers are all over my bloody walls (laughs) yes <laughs> yeah I mean I'm not I'm not 100% against I'm not the chicken sticker charts aren't like the devil's work or whatever I know some people have very strong feelings about sticker charts but there's so many things in my journey as a parent that I have sworn I would never do yeah me too surprise surprise <laughs> what am are. I doing now <laughs> <I know. laughs> pick your battles there's you know yeah. my three-year-old had a lint chocolate ball for breakfast so 
Good choice. Was it milk chocolate? It was, and it was only because I'd eaten them last night and I had made the grave error of leaving them out in the living room. And he was like, well, what's this? And I was like, well, I think a good parent would take it away and set a firm boundary, but I couldn't be bothered. So I caught my children having Pringles the other morning for... um, for, for a, a little add-on to their breakfast and I was devastated because salt and vinegar Pringles are oh, sublime yeah. in my opinion yeah they are and they're not to be wasted on them no sometimes what I do actually now and maybe someone else might find this helpful is I think about someone who I think is a really good mum or dad and I think if they told me that their kid had a lint ball for cho- uh, chocolate for breakfast would I think they were a bad parent no I would probably find it quite funny. So I think, yeah, if Olivia told me she had just done this, would I think she was bad? No. So why am I doing that to myself? And that really helps me. I think that's where, because comparison isn't always a bad thing. You know, it's it's, it's inevitable. We're going to compare ourselves. That other thing of like, don't compare yourself to others. Like, how can you not? (laughs) That's like saying, you know. And it opens your mind up to other ways of thinking. Yes. It's a bit like everybody says, you know, judging, you're judging, you're judging. And I think, judging somebody's human nature yes because you do think oh gosh I wouldn't have done that yeah but then you ruminate on it and you sort of think well actually maybe they need some support maybe I need to be a better friend or maybe they are onto something and actually that's not the terrible thing I thought it would be how many of us have said my child will never watch an iPad or my phone in a restaurant (laughs) yeah for example yeah yeah so many of us I still stuck with it with my first, with my second. Do you know what? I want to have a meal. I'm paying for it. I want to be able to have a conversation. Do you know what? If you're going to sit and watch that for 10, 15 minutes, that is not the end of the world. It's for me. And that's my tolerance. I understand for other people, that's not going to be okay or acceptable, but then there's going to be things that they do that I wouldn't do. Yeah. Yeah. And it's this, you know, I talk about that a lot with um, birth decisions, mm. pain relief, stuff like that. We can't say do this, don't do that, because we all have a different perception of risk and what's yeah. tolerable to us. Yeah, it's so true. And I think with breastfeeding, I had this image of what breastfeeding had to look like. And then I remember yeah. going to this amazing lactation consultant who was part of our kind of local feeding services and saying to her, because uh, we kind of got caught in this top up trap and all this Uh stuff. And I was saying, I just cannot get rid of the bedtime bottle. I was like, it just, every time I try and do, you know, he's completely breastfed in the day other than that, but that bedtime bottle, it's not going anywhere. I I don't know what to do. And she just went to me, is it the worst thing in the world? If he has a wise woman? Yeah. She's like, yeah. Why is, is this genuinely a problem for you? And I was like, no no it's working really well (laughs) it's fine and she's like then maybe that's what breastfeeding looks like for you is that you feed in the day and at bedtime he has a bottle yeah and then maybe yeah anyway it's a bit like people when they combination feed through choice or perhaps a lot of the time it's due to really poor support early on they've beaten themselves up about it and they say I can't get to exclusive breastfeeding so I'm going to give up and it actually you unpick it with them and you sort of say but do you want to give up? And they're like, no, of course I don't want to give up, but I can't get to 100% breastfeeding. So I failed. Let's put it to bed. That was me. And yeah. I'm like, but that absolutely doesn't have to be it. Yeah. It can be a combination of what works for you, what your body can produce, what your baby is happy with. It is a song and a dance that you and your child make up that's completely unique. Nipple shields, you're using nipple shields. Are they working for you? 
well, yeah, they're not causing a problem. They've got my baby to the breast. The child feeds really well with them. So why are you berating yourself, torturing yourself mm. with trying to remove them? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. If there's a problem, that's totally different. Yeah, yeah. You know, if, if, if nipple shields are causing issues with feeding, you know, that's yeah. different. But actually for loads of people, they work really, really well. And they have saved a breastfeeding relationship that would have yeah. gone down the pan without them. So, yeah, and it's so many of those things it's like actually we don't have to be so purist we can make our own picture um and people feel very judged by others do you know what I don't think that many of us have got capacity (laughs) most of us have got so much stuff going on in our own head like berating ourselves most likely that actually I really don't think Mm. and if somebody is judging you get them out of your life yeah yeah they're not a positive influence that's a them problem yeah that is their beef and it is do you know what it normally is a problem that they have with themselves deep rooted yeah that they're just reflecting on you yeah yeah um and a lot of time there's misconceptions and you know our societal norms are a bit off skew with what's normal but um yeah if something's working for you you stick with it I should apologise that I feel like the interview suddenly came to a bit of a halt, sudden halt, because Olivia had to get to work. She had a shift starting at hospital and um, I was, uh, yeah, I'd run over our allotted time because uh, she just, I could listen to her talk all day and I was having a really lovely chat. So yeah, a huge, a huge thank you to Olivia for coming on and as I was saying at the start of this episode, a huge thank you to you for listening. I will be back in the new year. Um, but in the meantime, I hope you have a really lovely festive period and uh, a very happy new year to you. Mm-hmm.